Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to SiriusXM Progress. Thank you, as always, to the great Dino Badala show for being a wonderful and live lead-in. Much love to y'all. For the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with facts and history and music and empathy and something approaching comedy. There's a lot to cover on tonight's show. Somehow, in the last two weeks, Moms for Liberty has become as big a menacing ogre as the Tea Party and MAGA. <laughs> uh, we'll be talking about that later on in the show with Jess Bidgood of the Boston Globe, who just got back from the big Moms for Liberty rally in Philly. Uh, she was doing some great posting on it. And she also has a terrific piece in the Boston Globe about how the Republican movement to scream parents' rights for everything when it comes to uh, parenting has really upended school life for some teachers and some LGBTQ students. It's a really, really great piece, and we're very happy to have her also tonight. John Nichols of The Nation is going to talk about the Wisconsin governor's big surprise. Did you hear what he did? A 400-year surprise. I don't even... How messed up is Wisconsin? We will go deep into it. They, they, they rigged the rules so much so Scott Walker could do anything, and then Scott Walker left, and the Democratic governor said, hey, they did all these fucked up rules. We're all shucks i could go all the way around these fascists if i want and fund public education for 400 years john nichols will be here to explain live from madison chris Hauselt is our executive producer running this thing from the south carolina studios thea harper produces this thing from the brooklyn studios and in a polarized land we turn to the words of george washington who said in 1788 i had always hoped that this land might become a safe and agreeable asylum to the virtuous and persecuted part of mankind, to whatever nation they might belong. Because George Washington was a woke, open borders leftist. 1788. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. There's a lot to get to. Let's do a show. 
so good to be back. I hope you had a good couple of days off. I hope you had a lovely 4th of July if you went out to celebrate or if you stayed home because it's horrifying to think about being in large public gatherings on the 4th of July in this particular country. Isn't that the worst? Isn't that the worst? You don't feel safe going out in public on the 4th of July anymore in America, but America is the only place where they go out in public on the 4th of July. You know what I'm saying. So I hope you had a great weekend. We are back. Let's get to it. Earth's hottest day on record in history was the 3rd of July. The hottest day ever recorded on this planet was the 3rd of July until the 4th of July, when that became Earth's hottest day on record. And we had some days off, but the world didn't slow down. Have you caught your breath from everything going on? Over the over the holiday break, I, I tried to not read the news for a few days. I really did. Tried to go to the movies, tried to tried to be around my child and do an impression of a parent. Uh, tried to just do stuff. But man, the world didn't slow down. Lynn Wood, part of Donald Trump's legal team attempting to overturn the 2020 election, has just agreed to a permanent retirement from his law practice rather than face his almost sure disbarment. Ooh, they're dropping left and right. Also, we're going to talk about this later in the show, but Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers, using his line-item veto powers, just signed the biennial budget while gutting Republican tax cuts and securing school funding for four centuries. We will talk about how he did it. It's kind of beautiful. Also, we weren't live on Friday, but um, did you enjoy the fraud Supreme Court anti-LGBTQ decision based on a fake case? To show how fake our Supreme Court is, the man used in the Supreme Court lawsuit attacking LGBTQ rights through a website designer never made a request for a gay wedding website and is a heterosexual man married for over 15 years. It was all another setup. We need more justices on this court. Also, the U.N. approved a plan to release radioactive wastewater. I'm going to start the sentence over again. The U.N. has approved a plan to release radioactive wastewater. Well, that, that sounds lovely, Mr. Fungicide. Where, where are they releasing it to? To, to go out and, and have a life in the... No, no, in, into the Pacific Ocean from the Fukushima nuclear plant 12 years ago. Remember that? The little story that just went away one day? They're now going to release radioactive, 12-year-old radioactive wastewater. So it's not even fresh. I'm sorry. I demand my kids swim in fresh radioactive wastewater being released into the Pacific Ocean. You'd think that's an area where maybe uh, conservatives and liberals could find common ground. You'd think maybe that would be a bigger story than, oh, my God, there's some cocaine that wasn't Hunter Biden's in the White House. We'll get to that. Also, did you catch over the weekend? Uh, Twitter had their worst weekend ever. What is going on with this website, brothers and sisters? Can someone explain? I really believe it's like a mob restaurant being burned down for the insurance money. Elon Musk, who really cares about free speech. You know, have you heard about that? He really hates censorship unless he's doing it for European dictators. But um, he loves free speech so much here, he decided to limit how many tweets people can view and how they can view them. I heard this on Friday. On What was it? Friday? No, Saturday. Whatever the day Twitter wasn't working. Elon announced Twitter was putting temporary limits on the number of posts you can read each day. And the restrictions depend on your account status. So if you give that billionaire $8 a month, you'll be able to read more before it tells you you can't read anymore. He said it was to address extreme levels of data scraping and system manipulation. Dude, you're just trying to drive people away from this site. My God, he also suggested that only people with children should be allowed to vote. 
yes, Apartheid McBratface said, the childless have little stake in the future. George Washington and James Madison, you know, were not able to be reached for comment, nor were their descendants because they were both childless losers. Uh, Elon Musk uh, has kids that won't talk to him. I just I'm just saying this is like tax tips from Willie Nelson. Also, Ukrainian officials are terrified because they've raised concerns that Russian troops are planning a catastrophic destruction of the occupied Zaporizhia power plant which Russians have had control of for a very long time. So if you go on Twitter right now, you can read all about how Zelensky is a monster for forcing Russian troops to possibly blow up a nuke plant. I swear, it's great. It's all Russian propaganda. Also, astronomers are now warning us about radio and communication blackouts after a massive solar flare from the sun, which is at a 20-year high of coronal activity. Do you understand? This is how messed up our summer is. The sun is made of fire, and it still caught fire. So there's a lot going on, a lot to make sense of. And I just want to say my unpopular opinion of the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny movie is uh, I completely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I went in dreading it. I was all set to apologize to my wife for making her watch a, a, a diseased monster of a dying film. And I loved it. And I don't give a rat's ass about how I did at the box office opening weekend because I don't measure artistic merit by how much money something made. The storytelling is amazing. It's so rich in metaphor. It's a movie about time itself. When this guy we grew up watching capture old obsolete artifacts has become an old obsolete artifact. No, it's not like Temple of Doom. He's 80 years old. It's a different story. It's a heavier story. And it's a story that stands on its own. Harrison Ford is fantastic in it. I don't care what it made over the weekend. I care that it made me cry in the end. Yes, like a little girl. I wept. Go see it in a theater. Support movie theaters for still existing. Okay, now let's get to the real story. The big story, the story everyone cares about, the story I was not going to pay attention to or talk about because I didn't care. I saw it trending. I didn't care. White House was the trending topic all day long. And you know, I was just like, you know, this is exactly the kind of story the right wing blows out of proportion. This is exactly the kind of story the corporate media blows out of proportion because maybe there's a little blood in the water. I wasn't going to take the bait. But as you've probably heard by now, the White House was briefly evacuated on Sunday while the president and his family were away at Camp David after the Secret Service discovered a suspicious powder in a common area of the West Wing, accessible to tour groups. And a preliminary test showed that the substance was cocaine. So the cocaine was found in the West Wing of the White House in a heavily traveled area where many visitors pass through. And again, this took place while the Biden family was away. Believe it or not, there were a few people on the Internet who were Republicans who, you won't believe this, actually decided to push completely baseless conspiracy theories with no evidence to smear a recovering addict. Because that's what good Christians do. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton, who looks like a constipated pencil sent a letter to the Secret Service demanding answers, including whether the cocaine was found in an area where confidential information is exchanged. Hmm? Do we ex are they exchanging confidential information near the cubbies where the White House visitors leave their phones? Hmm? Tom Cotton cares a lot about confidential information. Um, and of course, so many of them, including Trump, just use this to renew their attacks 
on Hunter Biden, who has been very public about his struggles with addiction. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you, folks. I've, I've spent a lot of time in Al-Anon. I've spent time in Narcanon. I've known a lot of addicts in my life. I've been hurt by a lot of addicts in my life. You know who I hurt, who I, I despise more than unrepentant, devious addicts? Uh, cruel drug war hypocrites. The president's son is now sober. There was never a shred of evidence tying him to that bag of cocaine, but that's all anyone cared about. And I mean all anyone cared about at the White House press briefing. Everyone wanted to know about cocaine. Are there concerns that an illicit substance was brought into the White House and not detected by security? Uh, obviously, every guest that, that enters the White House goes through uh, airport-like security. I'm wondering if just generally if there's concerns about the ability for something to So let's let the, the Secret Service do their investigation. Again, this is under their purview. They're going to look into all the things of what happened uh, over the weekend. I just don't want to get ahead of that. Clearly, the Secret Service is, uh, is in charge of security on campus. And so I would really refer you to them on this piece. Not good enough. Marjorie Taylor Greene. That's right. A statesperson of her level tweets. Don't worry, press sec. We oversight Republicans are going to ask Secret Service about cocaine found in the White House. I'd also like to know if White House staff and administration, as well as Hunter Biden, can pass a drug test. (laughs) So look. And by the way, I'm the one who always said, I don't care about Donald Trump's taxes. I just want to see his meds. But I wasn't going to immerse myself in this. It's a fake story, guys. It's more just nonsense blown out of proportion. And a rating star of media in the dead of a hot summer is going to think, oh, let's get a click or an eyeball for this. It's fake. It's banning gas stoves. It's ban. Oh, they're banning the Muppets. It's Biden's banning hamburgers. It's, oh, Kamala's forcing kids in detention centers to read her book. We get one of these every week. And it's always the same. Republicans are pushing lies. The lies are debunked. Republicans don't apologize. They move on to the next smear because they have nothing to offer non-millionaires on a policy level. Here is no less a figure than the great Daryl Issa, (laughs) who knows a thing or two about going after people who didn't do anything. Here's Daryl Issa on Fox News. This is really quick, but let's listen towards the end when um, he reveals his true nature. Uh, When, in fact, all the president and then before that vice president had to do was make it appear as though he was behind his son. He has done that before. Mm -hmm. He did it yesterday. He continues to have uh, somebody with a history of drug addiction uh, Mm -hmm. in the White House. uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it is not a small problem that we find cocaine after Hunter Biden's been in the White House and people roll their eyes and say, you know, we never had this before. How could, what's changed? Yeah. Uh, Congressman Daryl Issa. Thank you, sir. Oh, we haven't had this happen. But I remember I'm old enough to remember President Bush buying a bag of crack to hold up in the Capitol as a prop. Believe me, the, the realm has been profaned in the past. And, you know, there are those who might say, hey, Sweden's joining NATO. That's something that matters, right? I mean, after after 60 years, a pretty big change. Russia invades Ukraine and now Sweden is joining NATO. That's happened. And, and, and the Swedish prime minister is in America meeting with President Biden. <laughs> I'm not going to play the tape, but there, there's footage of Biden sitting there with Sweden's prime minister. And you just hear reporters shouting, do you know how the cocaine got in the White House? Biden laughs it off. <laughs> now, here's the deal. I am now forced to talk about this story that I didn't want to touch, and I'm very sorry for it. But the Washington Post reported the drug was discovered near Cubbies, where the visitors are asked to leave their phones. 
before they get to enter the West Wing. So the cocaine found in the West Wing was in a cubby where people leave their possessions before a tour. All of these Republicans owe Hunter Biden an apology. But you know what? They're not going to apologize. They're not good people. If they were good people, they wouldn't be smearing an addict in the first place. And again, I support investigating Hunter Biden. Investigate the hell out of all of his business dealings. Hell yes. I'm behind it all the way. As long as you're equally venomous about investigating all of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump's business dealings. And Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump. What am I saying? They've, they've already been investigated. We know they're crooks. So, so, so again, uh, this is found in a cubbyhole in the West Wing where people leave their stuff uh, when they go on a tour. It was not Hunter Biden. Also, uh, Hunter Biden was with his parents all weekend through Tuesday. Hunter Biden was nowhere near the White House. Every day, over 6,000 visitors visit the White House where that little tiny baggie of cocaine was found. Um, anybody could have left it dropped it, or even planted it. Uh, not that I think that, but wow. These guys have gone so far to the right, now I'm seeing guys on the left all over the place accusing right-wing operatives of dropping a bag of cocaine in the White House. And you know what? I, 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 I don't want to say I believe it, I don't want to believe it, but I wouldn't be surprised because I, I think right-wing operatives would be dumb enough to do it. When Hunter Biden was in a different state. My God, they're dumb. Uh, they're now testing the cocaine baggie for DNA and fingerprints to identify a suspect. They're never going to know. Um, but Trump is accusing Joe Biden uh, of using cocaine and Hunter Biden and apparently Jack Smith of using cocaine. The whole cocaine story has been debunked. OK, it's it, 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 we know it's bullshit. Trump doesn't care. Trump tweeted, does anybody really believe that the cocaine found in the West Wing of the White House, very close to the Oval Office, is for the use of anyone other than Hunter and Joe Biden? But watch, the fake news media will soon start saying the amount found was very small. And it wasn't really cocaine, but rather a common ground up aspirin. And the story will vanish. Has deranged Jack Smith, the crazy Trump hating special prosecutor, been seen in the area of the cocaine? He looks like a crackhead to me. By, by the way, when you're on trial for dozens of felonies and violating the Espionage Act, please publicly smear the prosecutor all you can. It's great. Go after his family. Go after his wife. It works really well And when you're trying to cut a deal and getting leniency. <laughs> I mean, like, this is a pretty good sign to me that Donald Trump is trying to distract from the even more indictments that are about to hit him. And again... The Bidens were camp day, but all weekend with the first lady, they were informed of the evacuation. But despite the fact that Bidens were nowhere near the White House, Magoland accepted this as a fact and they went after it like Don Jr. would go after cocaine. OK, really quick. One thing beautiful for you and then we'll get started on the show. And this is for everyone. This is for you people on the podcast as well. I don't know if you know about this, but um, something beautiful happened this weekend. And I, I need you to make some space for it in your heart because Sometimes there's things that happen that are moving and give you faith. And sometimes there's things that are so beautiful. Well, shucks, you just kind of feel like it's it's the angels are here and it's what makes the angels happy. So, um, Lindsey Graham, it's a good story. This is about the only time I did check the news on Saturday. Uh, he joined Donald Trump for a rally in South Carolina. South Carolina, hey. 
Whoa, that's Lindsey Graham's home state. The only person more popular than Lindsey Graham in South Carolina is our producer, Chris Hauselt. Um, Lindsey Graham, of course, is someone who once told the truth about Donald Trump and said that if we elect him, we'll destroy the party and we'll deserve it. But Lindsey Graham is a barnacle on the dinghy of the Republican Party, a barnacle that attaches itself to dinghy after dinghy for protection. The eternal prison punk who latches on to whoever looks strongest in the yard. That's Lindsey Graham. Relentlessly amoral for his donors when he impeached Bill Clinton. Relentlessly amoral for his donors when he refused to support the impeachment of the quite guilty Donald Trump. Lindsey Graham himself. What better for Lindsey's image than a home field advantage showing up with Donald Trump in your own state where you are a senator. So let's start with Donald Trump and his South Carolina rally with uh, Donald Trump's comments on Lindsey Graham when he took the stage later in the rally. You know, you can make mistakes on occasion. Even Lindsey down here, Senator Lindsey Graham. We love Senator Graham. We're going we're gonna to love him. We're going to love him. I know it's half and half. But when I need some of those liberal votes, he's always there to help me get them, okay? We got some pretty liberal people, but he's good. He's good. We know the good ones. We know the bad ones, too. We got some real bad ones. Can you imagine the humiliation of being Lindsey Graham and seeing this man you despise toy with you in front of your own constituents? Can you imagine deserving it the way Lindsey Graham does? Now, again, this is kind of healing. If you're still mad about the Bill Clinton impeachment, and come on, there's there's days when we all should be. I want you to, to gather around the radio device now and, and save this. And if you've got small children or elderly people with heart conditions in the room, please bring them closer to the radio. In fact, if you have children in the next room, bring them in. Any old foot, bring them in. This is where it gets beautiful, because Donald's words were prefaced by the very, very chilly welcome Senator Graham got from his own hometown MAGA audience in the district he was raised in. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome United States Senator Lindsey Graham. Oh, beautiful, right? Beautiful. I mean, I mean, every time Lindsey Graham talks, I have always thought Hannah Arendt should get a commission for coining the expression the banality of evil. And I love Lindsey. Lindsey said abortion should be illegal because it's not mentioned in the Constitution. And I check and he's right. But you know what? Lindsey Graham's not mentioned either. So maybe we need to ban him, too. So so it, it went on. It went on for a long time. And it's beautiful. When you think about how five years ago, Lindsey Graham called out Prince Mohammed bin Salman, saying he can never be a leader on the world stage and we have to sanction the hell out of Saudi Arabia, his words, because of Jamal Khashoggi's brutal murder by a bone saw when he was still alive, and then Lindsey Graham showing up to pose for a smiley photo op with that same murderous prince this past Easter. Well, here it is. Karma comes home. Chickens are fully roosted. Lindsey Graham attempting to use his famous sense of humor to deflect the slings and arrows of a hungry, overheated, hateful crowd. So let me tell you a little bit about me and President Trump. What happened? I found common ground with President Trump. It took a while to get there, folks. But let me tell you what happened. I come to like President Trump. 
and he likes himself, and we got that in common. Oh, he opened with his best material, too. Oh, that killed on the paid staff when he tried it out in the elevator on the way over. Um, So there you go, folks. I hope you had a beautiful Fourth of July. It's hard to imagine anything quite as beautiful as that moment we just heard. Let's get to a really quick call before our break, if we can. Uh, Hello to Jeff in L.A. Really quick before the break. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Hi. Um, Those decisions. I just have to say, I I, I wanted to talk about, I thought about the the, uh, Internet one, which is a total sham anyway. Yes. What I don't understand about it is pri- it seems to me to be prior restraint. I don't know. Like, how can you challenge something when it hasn't even happened yet? I was like one of the first points in law school. But- <laughs> you are so advanced for me because my whole thing is um, how can you weigh on a case when there's not really a case, when there's not really a plaintiff, well- <laughs> when there is no aggrieved party? The entire how do you come out on Friday and say discrimination is wrong, so no more affirmative action and then come out. uh, I'm sorry, on Thursday, discrimination is wrong, so no more affirmative action. And then on Friday, say discrimination is okay if they're gay. That's literally what they did in 24 hours, because homophobes always secretly like it both ways. (laughs) I mean, yeah, of course, the whole thing is just laughable. I I, like but what I'm saying, there was no case, but it hadn't even happened yet. And then yep. I, I think there's been more reporting that it, the person who wanted it was actually a heterosexual. Anyhow, yeah, I, yeah. What kind of came to mind to me was, I mean, maybe this is a bit attenuated or so forth, but I, I was going to say, to me, it goes back to, and on the 4th of July, I was thinking a lot about this, being that I, my goal is, you know, housing the unhoused. Yes, sir. And how so many of us are, you know, three paychecks away from that or Um, less or less yeah uh yeah and then that's why a lot of employers like to fight unemployment now so what i was going to say is i was just thinking about property ownership and i was thinking about that and the internet and the whole conservative whatever i don't it's not a party to me but (laughs) no it's not conservative either mine it goes back to where this country one of the discriminations that's not talked about a lot is property. Owners of property are somehow better. That's why we use it. Yes. I don't say landlords. I say property owner. And yes. That's how the founders wanted property. it, Jeff. That's how the founders wanted what? it. Only That's how the founders wanted yeah. it. Yeah. Wealthy I mean, white men who own property could only... Think, Go ahead. Yeah. yeah oh. Exactly. And I just always <laughs> want to remind people that, you know, I think about this is... When you think about the large rise in population of, of homelessness, and yeah. now I, I would subscribe to the enemy, so I look at the, you know, association. <laughs> uh, That's okay. I got to hit a break, though, Jeff. I'm so so. I'm so, so sorry. Forgive me. I'm sorry for taking you when we had such a brief time. I know you have a lot to say. Please call us back later on. I thank you for fighting the good fight and for caring about unions so much because someone in L.A. has to. Quick break. And when we come back, more on SiriusXM. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. 
All hail old women. Wiser Than Me Season 2 is out now from Lemonada Media. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. And welcome back. So Jess Bisgood is with us. She is the senior national political reporter in the Boston Globe's Washington Bureau. You've probably read her stuff before. She led the Globe's coverage of Senator Warren's campaign in 2020. And she now has a story about how at a time when national Republicans have focused on curbing the rights of transgender and gay youth, Waukesha County, Wisconsin, is becoming a kind of a laboratory for conservative efforts to change the education state by state Frightened, misled parent by frightened, misled parent. I know we don't have much time, but Jess Biscuit, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you, and congratulations. I know you just got back from the uh, Moms for Liberty Conference's uh, cattle call. I hope that was okay. I enjoyed your postings. Thank you. Thank you so much for reading. Um, it was a really interesting day in Philadelphia on Friday, and it connected, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting to be there and be in that space, hearing the Moms for Liberty, um, the activists and presidential candidates talking about education and the changes they want to make to education um, from one end. And having just returned from Wisconsin, where I got a real sense of how the policies talked about in rooms like that really impact the lives of LGBTQ students and the teachers who are trying to educate them. We say all the time that your state and local elections matter so much more in your life than who is president. But once again, the Republican Party uh, can do a grassroots movement when they want to. And it seems like so much of the current movement is sending activists to PTA meetings and screaming about parents' rights. You've written that that's already a major focus for 2024 Republicans and that local candidates running on that platform are already winning. I mean, it sort of worked for uh, for Glenn Youngkin, and it doesn't matter how many lies are told or how many books are banned. Absolutely. So, so Glenn Youngkin's victory in 2021, I think, really proved the salience of education as an issue to Republicans around the country. But interestingly, I think that really put it on the map nationally. But you were already seeing local candidates running on these issues and yes. winning. And Waukesha County is a really interesting example of that. So in the wake of 
former President Trump's defeat in the 2020 election, the Waukesha County Republican Party started looking at local races. And Mm -hmm. and one factor at play for them at the time was kind of wanting to show people who had supported Trump that they were still engaged locally, that they were kind of pushing conservative principles in local elections. And so they decided to start playing in school board races, which is something they had left nonpartisan for a long time. They hadn't really they hadn't really gotten involved with. They decided to start vetting candidates, you know, recommending candidates, training candidates. And and suddenly candidates who were much further to the right than those who had been running previously started running and started winning. And that really changed certain aspects of education in Waukesha County very quickly. I can imagine. I mean, and to say nothing of the fact that the kids who you report here are sort of feeling like, well, these people are promoting parents' rights at our expense. You you quote one student as saying now school is about politics and fear and the parents. Absolutely. And that was something that was really striking. So the school board candidates, um, they had the backing of the local GOP. Some of them had endorsements from national groups. Uh, but the kids pushing against this were kind of on their own. You know, the, the county Democrats haven't gotten involved in school board races in the same way. You know, right. national groups haven't kind of come in with money or or with help for these kids. And so what I saw was, you know, a group of kids, many of them were from the Gay Straight Alliance at Arrowhead Union High School, kind of organizing on their own with certainly with the help of some parent mentors but but really leading this by themselves and they got yeah. together outside of a school board meeting at 6 45 a.m on the day of one of their finals with handwritten signs and pride flags and and that kind of thing to protest a policy that's been proposed by their conservative school board that would have um, that would ban pride flags and safe space stickers and and, you know, the, the original version of this proposal also would have banned Black Lives Matter posters, kind of symbols to students of acceptance and representation would have been scrubbed away, according to this policy. And it was kind of up to them on their own to try to fight it. It's so moving to see a new generation of ignorant fascists inspiring a new generation of compassionate activists and resistors. Well, I uh, I spent some time speaking with some of these students and just trying to understand, you know, what does it mean when it's one thing when you hear this rhetoric from, you know, a presidential candidate or a governor. But what does it really mean for a kid in a classroom when a policy is 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 passed? And and some of the kids described life in the school to me as like being under a magnifying glass. Yes. Uh, being under a magnifying glass when the school board, for example, passed a policy that required parents to give uh, written permission if a student wanted to go by a different name or go by a different pronoun. And, you know, this is an issue that has been really controversial across the country. But for students, they said, you know, school was a place where I felt comfortable coming out before I could come out to my parents. And I don't want to lose that. And so for them, you know, these policies have a real impact on their lives, a real impact on what happens in the hallways. And it is not clear what will stop these policies from coming, because as the Republicans there locally pointed out, their mm-hmm. candidates 
Democrats keep winning. It's, um, and they're winning by a lot. You know, these aren't narrow races. I'm, it's off. You know, 4,000 votes. I'm, I'm so sorry, but we're hitting a we're hitting a hard break. And I love this piece. Jess Bidgood is the senior national political reporter in the Globe's Washington Bureau. Would you please come back and see us again? We'd love to have you back and go even deeper. Absolutely. And I am sorry for the delay tonight. Not a problem. It's great to, to have you. And I love the article. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Sirius XM. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Want to get back to your calls really quick. Uh, in a July 4th celebration at the White House, before he left town, or after he came back from town, I should point out, because Biden was gone on the weekend when Coke was there. Uh, here's Joe Biden focusing his praise and comments on educators. I, I, just try to imagine a Republican president talking like this. Joe Biden on the education system. So many of us are here, at least in part, because somewhere along the way, an educator believed in us, helped us believe in ourselves. I know that was the case for me in grade school, high school, and in college. I used to stutter very badly. I had teachers in grade school and then in high school who convinced me it couldn't define me. I wouldn't let it define me. And they helped me. I had a professor at the University of Delaware who became one of my great, he's the reason I ran. I didn't think I could. I didn't think I should. And he talked, he said, remember what Plato said, Joe? I'm trying to think, what the hell did Plato say? But what he said was, <laughs> to paraphrase him, he said, the penalty good people pay for not being involved in politics is being governed by people worse themselves. Run, Joe, run. That's the power of a great educator. No, I really mean it. Think about it. All of you have somebody somebody in your education who was just there for you, gave you confidence. We owe our nation's educators so much. I'm here to say we have your back. President Joe Biden. I'm John Fugel saying this is Sirius XM. We're at 866-997-4748. One last thing. Didn't get a lot of mention, but happy birthday to Spam. Uh, the great luncheon meat introduced into the market by the Hormel Foods Corporation on this date in 1937. Thank you, 
spam. Let's get back to the phones and thank you guys for your patience. We are at 866-997-4748. Hello to Bill in New Jersey. Hello, sir. Hi, greetings from New Jersey. Greetings from New York. The the first state in the nation to ban assault weapons back in 93. Right on. uh, Florio lost his rerun for it because of it, but he stuck by it. And uh, that was 30 years ago, 93. Yeah. Before it was a federal... Yeah. Uh, b- before b- before being the uh, before being the governor of New Jersey, became the Spinal Tap drummer of government jobs too. Don't forget that part. Right, and, and it's just so strange because we have you know the highest taxes, but the lowest crime rate, and um, you know the most number of millionaires, but pay the highest amount of taxes. Wait a minute, and, high, a, high, a high tax rate and a yeah. assault weapons ban, and yet people really want to live there and you have more millionaires than any other state? It almost sounds like progressive taxation works. 9.7% of the population are millionaires. And uh, so it doesn't mean there aren't bad things happening, but... Yeah, of course. Uh, I've been to Jersey. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, you still don't want to go to Trenton and some parts of Newark, but uh, still... Things are a lot better. Anyway, that aside, you know, um, why couldn't uh, Clarence Thomas just shut up? He did for the first five years. And as soon as he opened his mouth, it was like, you know, listening you, to You don't it. understand what, what your question is. Why couldn't he just shut up? You, do, you don't understand that he's a, a deeply insecure and mediocre man of low character who just wants to be loved and liked and praised all the time? You don't understand, like, why he would do yeah. stupid shit to make mediocre men find him popular? Mm-hmm. Right, and why he believed, right, and why he believed the reason he couldn't get a job is not because it was still 1960-whatever, what was because he was black and he was taken care of equally in university, but he mistakenly or really stupidly decided that it was because he had uh, (laughs) affirmative action that no one would hire him because they thought he got a a lift up, you know. Right, of course. So so even though he got a lift up, he's really mad that he got a lift up and he's going to make sure no one else ever has to suffer the indignity of having a lift up. Because this country has an historic record of institutionalized discrimination and enslavement of African-Americans. I mean, literally, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court didn't kill affirmative action. Affirmative action for wealthy, mediocre white people was kept very pure. And Asian students were not being hurt. They are six. Asian people are six percent of the population. They are 26 percent of the Harvard student population. This was all about saying we don't have to do anything to help African-Americans in college admissions anymore. That's all this was about. Wasn't about anything else. Right. And the, the business about the cocaine, that's absolutely yes. ridiculous. You know, yes, uh, that's why the media covered it, it all day. Yeah, but they don't check for drugs on people when they go into these places. They're looking for weapons. When you go on, yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, domestic flights here, they're not looking for drugs. They're I looking know. for weapons. And I know. A lot of local, and, and they go by the rules, whatever the local state, like weed is legal here, okay. It's not a big deal, but they don't want to waste their time with that shit anymore. Well, no. And again, and cocaine, cocaine, unlike other uh, illicit substances, doesn't have much of a smell, ironically, when you're bringing it somewhere. So, yeah, it happens all the time. Yeah, right. So, I mean, they're going to start searching everybody who comes in. I don't think 
No it sounds like it sounds like somebody was partying over the weekend. They went to the White House on Sunday. They realized they had a stash in their pocket. They got scared and they threw it in a cubby and parted with it rather than get caught. That's what it sounds yeah. like happened. Either that or it was just a stupid prank. Anyway, you'll find out. On, on well, no, no. There's people yeah. all over the left saying that this was a this, this was a Republican plant, that they're they're getting so much mileage off of humiliating this recovering drug addict, Hunter Biden, that someone planted the cocaine there so they could smear the president's son, which, again, yeah, I, don't, I don't care. Who cares? John, who cares? Dirty tricks are you, epidemic and all over the place. Go ahead. Ron, how are you going to convince people that things are better than they seem? Everybody's freaking out. Things are not that bad, and they're worse when you think everything is bad and when there's this stupid pissing contest uh, over the truth. I know. And, and they see it as teams. Like, it doesn't yes. matter what the truth is. It's our side, our team. It's football. It's that whole I know, but this is the game that the media always plays with us, right? They're going to do so much to try to make it be like a horse race. They're going to act like Robert Kennedy Jr. is a real candidate. They're going to do everything they can. They're going to act like Mike Pence. They're going to pretend Mike Pence is a real. They're going to do everything they can to get ratings. It's politics. It's an off, off election year. I mean, no one cares right now except news nerds, right? So they're going to do anything they can do to generate any kind of soap opera drama. And then being the American media, they're going to realize around late September, or October of 2024, hey, this this Trump thing could be bad. We should put the brakes on this a bit. And then they'll start running stories very late in the game about the incredible economic gains under the Biden administration, which they're not covering now. No, no. But you know what BDSM is? It's Trump being tied up and read the Constitution in front of him. (laughs) uh, Or the the New Testament, you know, or the Equal Rights Amendment. I like the joke. MAGA's gone wild. Thank you so much for the call, Bill. I appreciate it. we got to take a quick break. When we come back, more of your calls will also be joined by the great John Nichols of the nation to talk about an extremely good story. Did I say a good story? A great story that will restore your faith in Democrats knowing how to outfox dumb, mean people. This is an incredible story that is so incredible it goes 400 years in the future. We'll be right back with the great John Nichols. This is Progress. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you missed our recent interviews, like we had a great one with Stuart Copeland of the police last week, those are all available on demand and on the SiriusXM app and on our podcast, too. Check it out.
We're at 866-997-4748. We are celebrating the 30th anniversary of U2's uh, Zeropa album. And, of course, we are celebrating the anniversary of Spam being introduced on the market by Hormel Foods on this date in 1937. Now, let's go for something even healthier. The great John Nichols, one of our favorite guests. Of course, if you read The Nation, you're well aware of his brilliance. He's also done great stuff for the Capital Times in Wisconsin. Uh, I don't know if you guys are paying attention, but things are getting very interesting in the beautiful state of WI. Governor Tony Evers today partially vetoed the new state budget, which in a strange way guarantees funding increases for public schools for the next four centuries. I am so grateful to have the great John Nichols with us tonight to talk about this and other matters. John, welcome back. I'm very delighted to be with you. Uh, and I'm, I'm super glad the governor did this today so that I could join you. If he had done it tomorrow, I couldn't have joined you because I'm going to see Sparks play in Milwaukee. Oh, rock on. Very nice. I'm glad glad someone's having a summer. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what to make of this. I mean, I didn't really see it coming. This this rather bookish former public school educator somehow has this broad partial veto authority to sign into law a new state budget that happens to increase funding for public schools for the next four centuries. I know it it, it, it it involves some explanation, but he really just took a Scott Walker superpower and used it for good. Isn't that the simple yeah. version of this? Yeah, it really is. Um, and the only thing that's shocking is that a Democrat actually did something bold and interesting. I mean, it's it's just the bottom line truth, because we, we never expect Democrats, you know, Republicans are always the ones who stretch the limits, try the new thing, you know, kind of go go outside the box. And yes. Democrats are always the ones going, "Ooh, that's not right. Well, Governor Evers uh, decided to use the power that he has. And it isn't it, it, it's not a new power. This is a power that goes back to the progressive era. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it's a hundred hundred some year old veto power. It's the most powerful veto in the United States. For any governor, no governor has as much ability to alter a budget as uh, Wisconsin's governor does. Historically, it was used by conservative Republicans to take things out that Democrats had put in. Sure. Uh, It's only really a meaning when you have a split government, right? Democratic governor, Republican legislator, legislature, vice versa. But here's what it allows you to do. Any kind of veto you want, Right. Now, we know when you're in school, you get taught the classic veto, which is you veto the whole document, right? Yeah, yeah. And then you also learn about something called a line item veto, and that's maybe you yes. can cross out a paragraph. The Wisconsin veto, which has been you know tested in the courts repeatedly and has always survived, the Wisconsin veto allows you to cross out like numbers and letters within a sentence or even within a With- word. Within a sentence or within a word, it's a veto that is so acute. You can remove characters. Yes. Or, right. You could you can remove punctuation from yeah. from a, a budget document. Yeah. And Tommy Thompson, the former governor, went out to be a member of George Bush's administration. Yes. What loved doing it. He was I, I have been around long enough to have seen Tommy's budgets and they were they were like Swiss cheese. You know, I mean, you cross out, you know, cross out a thing here and then connect a number down to here <laughs> so that two million would become 200 million. Or right. so, you know, it's pretty creative stuff. I mean, there's some there are honestly some limits on it. But here's what Evers did. He they they had within the budget a line that said 
um, that they're going to increase funding per student in Wisconsin by $325 for the 2024-2025 school year, right? And yes. you know that you have 2024 hyphen 25. Now, yeah, I, want, I want to ask everyone listening out there in Radioland, if you're listening live or the next day, to, to picture what Mr. Nichols is saying in your mind. Picture the actual the actual digits and the, the, the numbers and the hyphen 2024 dash two five right that was that's what the budget said two zero two four dash two five okay so what what did he do with that he crossed out the the two zero and then he crossed out the hyphen so it became 24 25 so the for the year 24 25 yeah 402 402 years from now yeah yeah or I should say 302 years from now, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, 400. You're right. Yeah, 24, no, it's 24. 400, comrade. You know, yeah, I mean, 400. But, you're right. Sorry, I went to public is, school. You know, this you know is the is. fundamental danger of you and I explaining this because, I know, we, I know. you know, we, we went into the careers that we have because we didn't want to have to do math. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is. But that, now and to the year 2425, that they, they yeah. this is the most creative fighting for young people i have ever seen a politician do in my life john it's amazing and um i will tell you that that somebody the best tweet of the day right was uh a wisconsin you know kind of analyst kind of guy and he he took one tweet and he put education increase in funding for you know, 2011, 2012, $69 per student. And then, you know, like last year or like a year or so ago, it was zero per student, you know, all these different, you know, ones down the list, very many. And then this year's for the coming year, pretty substantial, $325 for students. That's a substantial increase. And then he kept doing it for 25, 26, 27. And he did, it was like 20, 30 screens, all the because it kept going forever and the bottom line is that um evers was surrounded by children when he did this right they all broke out of applause as they made kids like you know good moment and i was figuring out that the grandchildren of the grandchildren of the grandchildren of the grandchildren of those kids will still be getting boosted education funding because of what the governor did. I needed this story so badly. You have no idea. I mean, what's even more incredible to me is that this is the Wisconsin legislature. We've talked about this before. Yeah, uh, It's so heavily gerrymandered that it seems like a Democratic majority is almost impossible. So it really does seem like a, a, a very magnanimous move by the governor that would more reflect the will of his constituents. You'd well, sure. Wondering. I mean, how how could you be a Democratic governor, but you can never have a Democratic legislature? Well, that's it, and and that could change. We had a Supreme Court election that may result in a redrawing of the maps, uh, perhaps as soon as August. So maybe Ebers will ultimately get a legislature, but that's hard, and it is a deeply divided state. But the interesting thing is, this is fully legitimate. Yeah, Ebers ran for re-election last year against a Republican who said. I want to cut public education and move the money over. Basically, I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but I want to move the money over to private. He's a big supporter of vouchers and, you know, all sorts of things that, that undermine public education. Evers ran 100 percent pro public education. He says, That's, elect yeah. me, 
I'm going to deliver. I'm going to get the money. I'm going to do this, blah, 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 blah. So you had a referendum on the issue. Evers won. The only thing that changed here is that all over the place, all the time, Democrats win making big promises. Mm-hmm. Evers just decided to use the power he had to keep the promise. Wow. And even even then, let's also point out, when he was running for re-election, his opponent was campaigning on defunding and privatizing public education. Yeah. So yeah. Governor Evers doubled down on it as an incumbent, and he was re-elected with a higher share in 2022 than when yeah, he was he had, first elected in 2018. He got right, he more popular. Three, yeah, he did. He got three times the, the margin of victory that he had in his initial election. So, I mean, look, the fact is that what Evers did was what people elected him to do on steroids, right? I mean, to right. be honest, I don't think anybody thought he was going to go for the 400-year move. And the thing to understand about Evers that's so, why this makes it so great, to be honest, is that Tony Evers is probably the most boring governor in America. Most, bo- I mean, he makes Mike DeWine look like James Brown, John Nichols. Absolutely, yeah, without a doubt. And proudly, right? I mean, yes. he said when he got reelected, he, his, in his victory speech, he said, hey, who knew? Boring wins. Right. But that's so, the beauty of it. It's 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 uh-huh. the beauty of of uh, of Biden's kind of governance, that that method of always lowering expectations, always lowering expectations, but still being very good at the actual game. I mean, I'm looking at what else is in this budget. Highest yep. ever funding for general transportation aids, uh, support for Wisconsin farmers by investing in, in meat and dairy processing over a billion for K to 12 schools, half a billion to expand affordable housing, expanding mm-hmm. access to clean water. This was a real people centric budget that I would imagine must really upset a lot of the Republicans in the Wisconsin legislature. And I would also imagine, John, this guy's had to have had this plan for weeks. They knew this was going to happen today, didn't they? They have been so ready for this. They lawyered up on this. They probably are sure they're going to get sued for it. It's beautiful. They just knew it was going to execute today. That's right. And and they did know that, you know, there'd be legal wrangling over it. But they also know that there's been legal wrangling over this this type of veto for generations. So it's been it's been through the courts. And also yeah. the funny thing is, Evers is now going to have a state Supreme Court that's on his side. So as of August mm, 1st, you're right. Thank you, election. young people for showing up. Thank you, yeah. young people for showing up and voting in an off off year Supreme Court state election. But here's where it gets. This is where it gets particularly interesting is that that if you understand Tony Evers, Tony Evers was a public school teacher, a principal, a superintendent, and then he was state superintendent of public instruction for three terms. His entire life has been about education. And so there's a guy who wanted to be the education governor. Well, they they blocked every avenue. And, and I want to emphasize, there's nobody who's willing to compromise and negotiate more than Tony Evers. He really, I mean, they, they effectively, the Republicans were so resistant to, to doing the right thing that they basically forced Evers to be bold. Right. They, they forced him to say, OK, well, if you're not going to give me any other options, I'm going to do 400 years of public boosted public education fund. And the beauty of this is that the Republicans kind of all think they're smarter than him. Yes. Yeah, they really do. And once again, he totally outsmarted him, not only on this issue, but also they had a whole the restructuring of the state's uh, tax system yes. where they we're going to collapse the the you know levels of the tax system to get rid of progressivity so they were doing a big tax cut that was going to massively reduce the taxes for the rich 
right? Mm-hmm. Tony Evers goes there. He's got his veto pen again. What does he do? He just takes out the reduction of the levels, right? You know, the collapsing of the levels. So now the tax cut is going primarily to working class people. <sighs> it's beautiful. I mean, I know. it's beautiful. And it's the kind of just low-key maneuvering Republicans are so good at. I mean, my God, John, like this is n- compared to changing the Supreme Court to eight members for a whole year to block the black oh. guy's nominee. This is the most tepid kind of planning and scheming I've ever seen in politics. And yet I think so many folks are so starved for yeah. this kind of I mean, why do we keep losing to idiots? I think you've heard that said many times. Oh, yeah. I've written it about 100 times. Yeah. Um you know, look, the, and this is the thing. It is a very powerful lesson for what we've just been through this last week, right? We've just watched the Supreme Court, you know, gut student loan relief and uh, LGBTQ rights and uh, affirmative action. I mean, they're kind of going after everything, right? Yeah. And people are angry at the court. And yet there are still Democrats say, well, you know, we've got to figure out how to work with them. No, this is the thing. What Evers did is going to be popular. Yeah. Uh, this is going to already people are sort of gleeful about it, right? You know, it's kind of yeah. great, right? And and Wisconsin's always been proud of education, so it's I think by and large it's going to work out well. It's a very good lesson for for Joe Biden. If Joe Biden announced today that you know he's got a plan to you know that it'd be hard to get the, the challenges of, the, of of a lot of other stuff, you got to get the Democrats all on board in the Senate. But Biden could say, yeah, I'm, you know, next week I'm going to be appointing four new Supreme Court justices. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It would you. not. It would. A, his numbers would go up, right? Yes. And B, there, you and I would be talking about Biden the way we're talking about Evers. Well, and we'd be talking about what Biden did rather than right. following the conservative and mainstream media narrative of what is Biden capable of doing? I mean, the man's right. always on the defense because of the age issue, unless he shows up and just does his job, always does fine. And then the noise starts again. If we were yeah. discussing the audacity of Biden's FDR moonshot here, trying to add a few justices to the court. And again, John, I say all the time, FDR only did that to scare the court down. He had three justices trying to undo the New Deal. He made his threats. They backed down. FDR backed down. It wasn't like he tried anything too radical and got shot down by his own party. The negotiating tactic worked. I think people mm-hmm. just want to see this president playing hardball and negotiating like that and putting the other guys on offense for a change. And, you know, the weird part about it is that in Wisconsin, I mean, we're, we're a few hours into this, so we'll see how it all plays one way or the other. The Wall Street Journal editorial page, I'll let you know, is upset. Um, but, uh, but you know, the, the thing is, I will suggest to you that the way this is going to play is it'll make some headlines tomorrow. The weekend shows, there'll be a little bit of, you know, blah, blah, blah about this and stuff like that. And then the world will go on, right? It will. And why I say it that way is not to diminish what Ebers did. What I'm suggesting is if Biden did something that bold, yeah, there'd be some screaming and yelling. The Sunday shows would have something to talk about. And at a certain point, the world would go on. And what what Democrats don't seem to understand too often is that if you do a big, bold thing, the worst that's going to happen is you get shot down on it. Right. Yeah. But best that's going to happen is people might start to like it. <laughs> you might say, hey, you know what? Why don't you do some more of that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't I mean, you, I don't know, govern? 
I mean, we every day we discuss articles and read op eds about how Biden has achieved so much. And yet the word's not getting to the public. I mean, the public, you know, the victories are great, but the public wants to see someone fighting for them. And that's what's going to get rid of the ageism thing. Go ahead. No, you're right. Absolutely. Totally right. But the public wants to see somebody fighting for him. But the public also, I would argue that the public wants and needs some things. Right. Yes. You know, and and so it is both fighting that counts for something, but actually delivering. And yes, what makes the Evers move so consequential is it's on paper. It's money on paper. Three hundred twenty five dollars per student in a system with a lot of students Um, that adds up to a lot of money for rural schools, for urban schools. It's the kind of resources they haven't had. And now one of the problems is that when you boost education funding for one year, Everybody's like, oh, wow, you did a great thing, blah, blah, blah. But school systems can't do that much because they don't know if they'll have it the next year. Exactly. What Evers did with this move is to suggest, yeah, it's going to yeah. keep coming. It's Built that's huge for planning teachers. Teaching. Yeah. I mean, you have that. breathing room for education and you don't have to plan this year by worrying about rubbing two nickels together next year. You know what it did? This is the funny thing about it. This made the experience of working class and poor kids the same as rich kids. Well, because rich kids always know that they will have there'll be enough money for education. Right. What this does is say, yeah, if you're a working class or poor kid, there's going to be enough money for your education, too. That is I mean, just to me, it makes me gleeful. I love the concept. Well, speaking of rich kids, I mean, you brought up the Supreme Court last week. um, And of course, last week, the Supreme Court protected affirmative action for mediocre, rich, wealthy, white children. Uh, And and it's safe. They're okay. The legacies merit free. They're they're all solid. But I'd be most remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts on on this mishigas of rulings in two days. Number one, we have this president who runs promising student loan debt relief. More people vote for this platform than any time in history. And. Six Supreme Court justices, five of whom were appointed by presidents who lost the popular vote, say, no, you can't do that. Then on Thursday, they say, well, we can't protect African-American admissions in schools anymore because that's discrimination and discrimination is wrong. And Friday say, hey, if you're Christian, discriminate all you want. You're covered. I, 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 I based on a case, to, based on a case, on a case that is fraud. Go ahead. Yes, that's all. I'm just going to throw that in. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, you you think in a country of 330, 40 million people, you could find at least one, you know, actual person, you know, like find a real example of it. But no, they made it up. Um, But they no, because they know. Could you find one real life married gay couple that wants to hurt gay rights? Because that's right. what the whole thing was about. They couldn't find one. They had to get a straight guy who never asked to make a website with this person and didn't know he was part of the case. Until now, I got to say, I'm a little wondering about the lawyers on our side of this. Because shouldn't they have checked that out? I don't know. There was discovery on this. Yes. That's what I'm wondering about. I mean, the whole thing is, is it's so crazy. It's going to be the stuff of books when, when all is said and done. But let's put it aside. And, and say at the core level, the core concept here is that the this Supreme Court is meticulously deconstructing the progress of the last, you know, at least 50 years. And it really is pretty much a 50 year 
zone. If you go back to the early 1970s, that was when you were starting to see a recognition of the need for affirmative action. It was when you were starting to see, you know, this kind of broadening out of public education, right? Saying yes. that higher ed could be for all, you know? Yes. And, and then finally, we were starting to see, if you look at, you know, 69 with Stonewall, the 70s with Harvey Milk, you're starting to see the beginning of an understanding of the need for LGBTQ rights, right? And so we got 50 years into this struggle, slow progress, but progress on all these issues. And this court is just knocking them down one after another. And of course, we have yeah. to include the abortion ruling from last year. And I think that what people have to put in the mix is that this will continue until the court is expanded. Right. It's not. You, and we also, if, if, if I may also put into the mix the incredible corruption of at least three, maybe four of these justices right out in the open, yeah. knowing there's no accountability and there can never be any accountability. I'm so sorry. Go on. No, no, you're right. I mean, look, but but I mean, what did you expect them to think? They stole the presidency of the United States. At least Clarence Thomas was part of that back in, yeah. in 2000. 2000. And so, as a result, they they clearly feel that they don't have, have you know rules that they have to abide by or, or even, you know, there's not even shame. Right. It does, shame does not exist. And so <laughs> as a result, they're going to keep on doing what they're doing. Again, it takes us back to the core concept that we've been talking about here. Um, how do you deal with that? If you if you deal with it saying, well, you know, maybe we'll get a lucky break. Right. And somebody will retire six years from now. Right. Well, I think this Clarence Thomas is never retiring. He's going the whole way. He's going. It's 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 going to so spend more time with Jenny. You're exactly right. He's never retiring, John. Yeah. And and here's the interesting thing. I have a theory about Supreme Court justices Please. that that health care over at Walter Reed is so good. That public health care over at Walter Reed is so yes. good. Yes. They're, not, they're living forever. They're right? giving up their socialism now. Yeah. And so what we've got is a Supreme Court where we face a very real prospect that for years and years to come, you will have a locked in extreme right wing judicial activist majority. Um, you can either ex accept that reality now and start to deal with it, or we can keep lying to ourselves. And to my mind, uh, what we saw last week was pretty much, you know, it's like it's a, literally they're turning on that those, you know, those lights when you have it, a movie opening, you know, yeah. it's like, they're, they're literally shining them in the sky and saying, you know, you must stop us. If you don't stop us, we will eventually use this power that we've had, this absurd power that we have to get rid of labor union rights. I completely agree. Of, and you're you know, right. You're right on all of this and Clarence Thomas came out and said they're going for marriage equality. They're going for birth control. They're really going to do yep. it. They don't care how bad it makes them look in the history books. They don't care. But, John, when the president himself goes on MSNBC to remind us all that he will never even consider the, the just just as a bargaining point, he won't consider bringing up that he's cons he won't consider considering more Supreme Court justices. What are the rest of us to do but prepare to spend the next few decades reading Katanji Brown Jackson dissents? Well, I mean, good that she's dissenting and her dissent was so brilliant. She's great. It, you know, I mean, it, but I would just like to put it in the majority. And um, and and kudos also to Justice Sotomayor. Um, oh, yes. Look, here's the deal. And this will be maybe for some people controversial. I have heard a lot of people who are upset that anybody is talking about or running against Biden in the primaries 
or that mm-hmm. it's on a third party race or something like that. I don't happen to, I'm not a big supporter of, you know, folks that are doing this. I'm not championing this or anything like that. But what I'm saying is there does come a point where there has to be pressure put on those who lead the Democratic Party to actually be Democrats. And um, and that pressure can come in many forms. I'm not just saying, you know, primary challenges or general election things. There, there are many forms of pressure, including marches on Washington. Remember, um, the, the Great March on Washington in 63 was with a Democratic president and a correct. Democratic Congress. It was just to make them do the thing that they want to do. To so nudge someone that they were already friendly with. Yes, go ahead. Right. What I'm suggesting here is, is there's many, many levels at which you put pressure on. And and I know that in this difficult moment with you got Donald Trump out there and that's scary and I respect that. But if there isn't pressure and again, it could it can be electoral, it can be street heat, it can be, you know, all sorts of different forms, whatever it is, there has to be a message to the Democrats that people really, you know, this is really a serious issue. They want more than what they're getting. And yeah, and I'm as a historian some, you know, amateur to be sure. But um, I go back to Franklin Roosevelt and I look at what what happened with Franklin Roosevelt. Roosevelt governed incredibly boldly, far more boldly by any president before or since, except for Reagan. And what did Reagan do or what did Roosevelt do? He came in and he said, well, I'm going to do some modest reforms. And then the socialists who had gotten the better part of a million votes and were really, you know, they were they were coming on strong. Norman Thomas was a a serious national political figure, front page of the New York Times all the time. The socialists were basically saying, you know what, Democrats aren't doing enough. Yeah. Well, what did what did Roosevelt do? He brought Norman Thomas and people like that into the White House and said, let's talk about some of these ideas here. And he effectively stole many of the best ideas yes from he did left. yeah and it worked right yes because he knew he had the people on his side he knew he had the people on his side this was still post hoover and he could do it biden doesn't have that that luxury but that wouldn't have have happened if there hadn't been the challenge for the you know what i mean if there hadn't been the pressure no you're again i don't want people to think i'm saying oh yeah primary challenges or you know that's not my point my my get it is that there are multiple ways in which to put pressure on and if a Democratic president doesn't feel pressure, then that president will look at the extreme right and say, well, I can move quite a ways over there toward the center, even the center right, because I'm still going to be better than the other guys. You're right. Um, and so I do think that that political dynamism is something that's missing now. And it's, you know, it's something to keep in mind because uh you know, I expect Joe Biden is going to get reelected. I think he may or may not have a Senate that he can work with. Mm-hmm. It is possible that Joe Biden will be president of the United States in 2025 with a Republican Senate. Then right. everything we're talking about with expanding the Supreme Court falls by the side. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So with that in mind, what I would say is now's the time. I do take a lot of faith from the fact that in my lifetime, the only thing I've seen that works in this democracy is voting for Democrats and then kicking their asses every day and consistently holding their feet to the fire and not checking out. And one thing I've noticed that I think is true in the last five years is that old Joe Biden 
certainly knows how to look to the future and listen and evolve more and faster well, yeah. than all the Joe Bidens we grew up with. So I guess there's there's room for for some hope here. Well, I think look, I think of Joe Biden as a master politician, right? And he's been one for more than fifty years, thirty six years in the Senate, eight years as vice president now number of years as president of the United States. Um, he hasn't always won, but he's always been in the game. How do you do that? You, you, you know, you keep a good sense of the pulse of where things are at. Now, when you measure the pulse of where things are at, part of that involves responding to the pressures that you get. If your pressure is coming from the right, you know, then there's a tendency to kind of temper in that direction. If your pressure is coming from the left, there's a tendency to temper in that direction. Mm. At this point, I think that Joe Biden has been a much better president than he would have been because he had a challenge, a serious challenge in 2020 to get Bernie Sanders' backers on board That's for him. That's right. That's right. And he's always understood that. And Sanders has been very supportive of him. And so the dynamic has worked, right? But as we go into this 2024 election cycle and you've got you know, Donald Trump very likely to be the Republican nominee. People are going to get scared by that. And I understand it. I don't think that's inappropriate. I recognize the reality. But this is an incredibly perilous time. And my view is that Joe Biden should be going as he goes into 2024 for a massive victory. Right. He should be going for getting reelected, getting a House and a Senate he can work with and how do you get to that massive victory? It can't just be the other guy's scary. Right. There has to be more to it. And if you look classically, again, we've been talking about Roosevelt a lot. If you look at what Roosevelt did in 36, biggest victory in history for a Democrat, even bigger, much bigger than Lyndon Johnson in, in 64. Yeah. What did Roosevelt do in 36? He said of the bankers in America, I welcome their hatred. Yep. He got it. He got his fight on. I mean, he went into that race you know, with a passion to really excite people that to make them believe that if they reelected him, they were going to get big stuff. Yeah. And and I think that's all I would say to Biden at this point is that, you know, he is a masterful politician. He should recognize the need to go big and and why that is so vital. If he needs a little prodding in that regard, um, <laughs> this is a good time to prod him. John Nichols, it is always a great honor to have you with us. Before I let you go, I, I would be most remiss if I didn't ask your your quick thoughts on uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. Have you ever, ever seen someone flame out like this, this broadly, this quickly? I mean, I can't. This is beyond Rick Perry. This is beyond Scott Walker. Oh, yeah. Well, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. let's. Uh, Scott oh, I Walker. Thought, I thought Scott. I thought Scott Walker was going to be president at one point, and that blew up. Yeah, I, I think we all did. Remember, that is good. Yeah. Walker, you know, Walker kind of is in a, he really is in a, in a class of his own. He literally went down to sub zero poll ratings uh, at a certain, before he dropped out. So it's kind of epic. Um, I don't know if DeSantis is going to go, if it's going to be that bad for him, but it's going to be bad. And, you know, this is the interesting thing about DeSantis right now. Um, you know, you look at, the, I keep an eye on the polls. He's, he's fallen to a point right now where, you know, he's, He's running as strong in the Republican primaries as Bobby Kennedy Jr. is in the Democratic primaries. Oh, yeah. Right? Which means the you media know, is going to give him a lot of attention. I know that. Well, you know, this is the thing is DeSantis is collapsing. He's 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 falling down. And at some point, what's going to happen is he's going to get desperate, more desperate than he already is. 
and he is not he's not comfortable in his own skin he's not good yeah. as a candidate and so his desperation is going to wear on him it's going to look awful that's going to push him down more and and what's going to ultimately occur is this i think somehow you know chris christie's going to get himself on that debate stage oh yeah oh maybe yeah the Koch, maybe the Koch brothers are going to put a lot of money there something's going to happen and chris christie's going to get on that debate stage. oh you and know he, he is he's going to shred trump as best he can he's going to get trump, trump trump might not be on that stage i mean i, well, I, trump, I think who, who's his, maybe, who's his marco going to be yeah uh, well he's going to try and make it christie and that's not going to work because that'll just raise christie up uh, he'll mm -hmm. certainly love banging on DeSantis for as long as he can. The ultimate thing is, this is what I will tell you, what I think happens. And, and not guaranteed because any piece can <laughs> fall apart. But okay. Christie gets on that stage. He keeps really shredding on Trump, unblinking, knowing full well that Chris Christie will never be president of the United States. He'll never, yes. ever even be a Republican nominee. He is Indeed. on a mission. That mission is to open a door. Once that door is opened, then Glenn Youngkin will step through. And perhaps late in the game with a huge amount of money behind him. Now, this scenario gets you the, you know, the, the initial thrill of having Trump beaten or something like that. But then it puts you in the more dangerous space of potentially, potentially Republicans could end up with a, you know, modestly competent, credible looking nominee. Mm. Mm. And and so that's. We could spend another hour on this show. We we shouldn't. No, I, I think I'm, I'm going to be up all night over that hypothetical alone. I think you've you've terrified yeah. me quite a bit, Mr. Nichols. <laughs> That's my wow. job. Well, and thank you for being so excellent at it. John Nichols is national affairs correspondent for The Nation. He's written or co-written over a dozen books, and you got to catch his latest co-written with our friend Senator Bernie Sanders, the New York Times bestseller, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism. John, it's always a joy and an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for being here. Honored to be with you, as always, my friend. And thanks to your governor for inspiring a nation that needed it. 